Can't get enough of Rebel Girls? Well, luckily, the Rebel Girls app is now completely free. That's right, you can listen to the entire library of goodnight stories for Rebel Girls ad-free. Plus, check out the app's cool features like activities, trivia, custom playlists, and more. All parent-trusted and kids-safe. Find out more at rebelgirls.com slash audio and download the Rebel Girls app today. Thanks for listening. You probably think you know fairy tales. Cinderella, Little Red Riding Hood. You probably think that they're cute and boring. But the real stories aren't cute and boring at all. The grim fairy tales were weird and sometimes gross and often scary. And in the podcast Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest, you can listen along with a group of other kids as I tell them those tales. The episodes are sometimes grim, sometimes grimmer, and sometimes grimmest. But no matter how creepy it gets, we'll always have a great time guessing what'll happen next, cracking jokes, and discussing what these tales mean to us. You can listen to Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest now, wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow the show so you don't miss new episodes. Hello again, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your host with the absolute most, and custodian of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is a pair of mini-chilling tales. These ghostly tales, Story Club members, might have you battening down the hatches and setting the sails for parts unknown. I call it Two Ghost Ships. You can have haunted houses, haunted hotels, and haunted battlefields, all of which we've covered on the show, devoted listeners. But what about haunted boats? Can ghosts ride the seven seas for decades at a time? Here's one maritime tale that might just prove that chilling theory. Can you believe that a ship with a dead and frozen crew sailed for 14 years by itself? Yep, it happened long, long ago and was reported. On the morning of October 11, 1775, the whaling ship Herald discovered a derelict boat, the Octavius, west of Greenland. It was drifting among the icebergs in the North Atlantic. Captain Warren of the Herald called out to the derelict Octavius vessel, but received no reply. Concerned, Captain Warren and a small group of his sailors took a longboat over to the silent vessel and boarded her. What they found was terrifying. All members of the Octavius crew, 28 people total, were frozen. Most of the crew lay in their bunks, perfectly preserved by the Arctic cold. The captain was found in his cabin, seated at his desk, pens still in hand, the frozen dead drifting on a sea of ice. Captain Warren studied the dead captain's log. The last entry was made in 1761, 13 years previous. The ship had left for China from England on September 10, 1761. Upon its return to England, the captain took a chance on sailing through the perilous Northwest Passage. Very little was known about this route at the time. The Northwest Passage lies along the northern coast of North America, and it's a trade route used by ships to travel from the Pacific Ocean to the Atlantic Ocean via the Arctic Ocean through the Canadian Arctic Archipelago. According to the ship's log, the Octavius's last recorded position was at Point Barrow, Alaska, and it was found by the crew of the Herald in Greenland. Are you still following me here? 
That means the Octavius sailed the hazardous icy Northwest Passage with a ghost crew. Captain Warren and his sailors made haste back to the Herald to recover from the shock what they'd seen. But in the night, the wind and current carried away the Octavius with her frozen crew. The three-masted schooner was never seen again by Captain Warren or anyone else. So what do you think happened to the Octavius? Is she still out there at sea? Or did she eventually drift into an iceberg and go down, her and her frozen crew shipwrecked forever at the bottom of the ocean? You decide. And now we go on to tale number two in today's Ghost Ship Saga. Arguably the most famous of maritime mysteries is that of the Mary Celeste. Often, when the subject of ghost ships comes up, the Mary Celeste is the number one story mentioned. The Mary Celeste, a brigantine merchant ship, was discovered in the Atlantic Ocean in December 1872. Although the weather was fine and her crew had been experienced and able seamen, the phantom ship was abandoned. The Mary Celeste was in seaworthy condition as well, still under sail and heading towards the Strait of Gibraltar. She had been at sea for a month. The galley contained over six months' worth of food and water. Her cargo was mostly untouched, and the personal belongings of passengers and crew were still in place, including valuables. The fate of the Mary Celeste crew has been the subject of many theories that range from toxic alcoholic fumes from the cargo she was carrying in her hold to underwater earthquakes or water spouts causing the crew to abandon ship. Still, other explanations involve lurking sea monsters from the bottom of the ocean taking the crew, or space aliens from the heavens swooping down and abducting the crew in their flying saucers. But no one really knows. The fate of the fabled brigantine merchant ship will always be a mystery of the sea. I do love a good ghost ship story, or two. Don't you, devoted listeners? It's now my time to wave goodbye as I'll see you later. Hello again, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your host with the most, and custodian of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This ghostly tale, Story Club members, might make you never want to swim in a pool again. It's one I call, The Water is Fine. Kyle Bateman wasn't happy about moving into a new house. He'd loved the house he'd grown up in for 11 years. All of his memories were there. His first house was warm and cozy. This house was postmodern, in the middle of the desert, with lots of steel and glass. It was cold and impersonal like a museum. One thing he did like about it, though, was the swimming pool. That was a plus. His mother had gotten a huge promotion and transfer from the law firm she worked at. Kyle was mad that she didn't even ask him if he wanted to move or not. Moving meant a new school, new friends, new everything. At least they had moved in the summer, so he wouldn't have to worry about enrolling in the new school for a couple of months. He texted, called, and Zoomed with his friends every day. His best friend, Steve, said he might come out to the desert for a week. Kyle would like that. He hoped that Steve would come soon. At least the pool did give Kyle some serious bragging rights. The pool they used to go to was the local swimming pool, which was always crowded. Now, Kyle had a swimming pool all to himself. The pool was a large one with a diving board, so Kyle could practice dives and splash around all he wanted. His mom would slip into the pool mornings before she began her long day of work, but she was pretty boring. 
She would swim laps like she was an Olympic swimmer or something. It was way more fun to do cannonballs off the diving board. There was quite a view of the desert from the pool. Kyle wasn't sure how he felt about the vast expanse of scrub brush and cactus. When he looked out over the desert and couldn't see another house or person anywhere, it was strangely beautiful. But it also made him realize how isolated he and his mom had become in their new home. At the end of the day, when Kyle was done talking to his friends and using the pool, he had to admit to himself that he was pretty lonely. He could only scroll through so much stuff online and watch so many videos before boredom gripped him. One day, Kyle's mom came into his room and told him that the next time he used the pool, not to track water all over the floor. He said he didn't do that. She told him to come look at the wet footprints. Sure enough, a trail of wet footprints from bare feet trailed from the pool to the sliding glass door and into the house all the way to Kyle's room. They stopped at his door. What? Kyle tried to explain to his mom that he didn't do it, but she didn't believe him. There was nobody else in the house, and the footprints were the same size as Kyle's feet. His mom said she had work to do and left. She told him to take a towel and mop up the trail of footprints. The wet prints were starting to evaporate on the warm concrete outside on the pool deck. Was he losing his mind? Did he make these tracks? No, of course not. Still, he mopped up the water with a towel. As he did, the idea that somebody else may have been in the pool and then walked into the house and up to his bedroom door worried him. He then had an idea. The house had come with a full security system. It had closed circuit cameras outside of the house. He'd check out the video. He should have suggested that before to his mom, but he was caught off guard by her accusation and a little flustered. His mom, being a lawyer, was really good at debating. It was her job. Kyle went to the computer in the house where the security system was set up. He rolled back the footage at the pool. Yep, there was his mom doing her early morning swim. Whoops, he dialed the video back a little too far. He then fast forwarded it. There he was in the afternoon doing spectacular dives off the board. Okay, they weren't super spectacular, but they looked good to him. He fast forwarded the video again, nothing. When he got to the end of the footage, the footprints were magically there. So he rolled back the footage and watched. He wished that he hadn't. A couple of hours after Kyle had gotten out of the pool, the footprints appeared on the pool deck, one step at a time. But nobody was there. Was it an invisible man? No way, right? There's no such thing. Then, the second part really disturbed him. The footprints moved right inside the house. Whoever or whatever made them didn't open the door. Was it a ghost? Kyle ran out of the room and into his mom's office. He opened the door and barged in. She was on a call. She scolded him, telling him she was with a client. If he was hungry, he should order food and have DoorDash deliver it. He tried to convince her to come look at the video. She shooed him out of the room and slammed the door, annoyed. So much for mom. Kyle went back into his room and shut his door. He looked up the address of the house, seeing if he could find any information about it. He found a news article. The family that moved here before had a boy named Timmy Lowe. He was Kyle's age, and he drowned in the pool when he dove off into the shallow end and hit his head when his parents were away. In their grief, they put the house on the market soon after that. 
Did the wet prints belong to Timmy Lowe? A chill shuddered through Kyle. He and his mom had moved into a haunted house. He didn't care if his mom was on the phone. She needed to know. They'd better get out of here right away. As he opened the door to his room, he saw the fresh, wet footprints again. They trailed through the house and up to his door where they had stopped. Kyle screamed and ran out of his room. In his haste, he slipped on the wetness and fell on his back. He struck his head on the hard, cold tile floor. It dazed him and he laid there a moment. In his blurred vision, a boy stood over him. He was wearing a swimsuit and dripping wet. Hey Kyle, the ghost of Timmy Lowe said. Come out to the pool with me and play. The water is fine. Um, okay, don't get me wrong. I love a good pool party, but not one hosted by a ghost. I think I'll pass. I wonder though what Kyle Bateman is going to do. Is he gonna accept Timmy's invitation or is he going to run to his mom? Will she even believe him? One way or another, it looks like Kyle's all wet, but he did make a splash with a lonely ghost. Do you like to laugh? Ah, uh, who am I kidding? Who doesn't like to laugh? So okay, if you love to laugh, you'll love Don't Break the Rules. It's a hilarious comedy improv podcast where the voice actors make up their lines on the spot and try to be the only actor who doesn't break the rules. These talented actors are great at coming up with silly scenes and stories when they follow the rules for the episode. And it gets even sillier when they accidentally break the rules. The stories are guided by suggestions from kids like you, and the episodes feature laughs, burps, and the occasional unicorn. So if you'd like to giggle and play along, be sure to listen to Don't Break the Rules wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello again, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host and custodian of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This particular ghostly tale, Story Club members, might make you run for the hills rather than pop into your local library. It's one I call The Time Is Now. Molly Taylor loved to read. She read fiction, nonfiction, and everything in between. But she didn't like e-readers. Nope, she preferred the touch, feel, and even smell of books. Molly had quite a few books at her house, many of which she read and reread often, but she was also a regular at the school library. During recess and after school, Molly would frequently spend time there. She loved the coziness of being surrounded by books. To her, they each contained ideas and you could be anyone you wanted to be in a book. All you had to do was open it and you'd become the character you were reading, seeing the world through his or her eyes. Molly secretly wished something exciting would happen in her real life and not just in her literary one. Molly had returned all the books that were out on loan, so it was time to check out more. She chose five new library books and put them in her backpack. However, when Molly returned home after school, she noticed that one of the books in her backpack wasn't one she'd chosen. Molly figured she must have picked it up by mistake. It was an old looking book with a black leather cover. The Time Is Now was printed in gold letters on the cover and the spine of the book. But the really strange thing is that the book did not have an author. 
When Molly opened the book, she also saw that it didn't feature any publishing information. The Time Is Now was a book with just text in blocky letters, like from an old typewriter. So weird. Plus, it was unusual that the librarian hadn't noticed the book as she was checking out. Molly read the first page of the bizarre book. It was written in the second-person point of view, which meant everything was referenced as you. So, the first sentence read, You will discover a large sum of money, and possessing it will bring you much uncertainty. The story went on to describe how she would find it and what she would do. After a couple of pages, Molly put the book down, her eyelids heavy, and fell asleep. The next morning, Molly was walking to school and found a fat leather wallet on the sidewalk. Picking it up, she discovered there was $1,500 cash inside. Whoa. Then, Molly remembered the book. This is exactly what it said would happen. I mean, the book didn't say how much money, nor did it describe the wallet. But still, what a weird coincidence. Molly stuffed the wallet in her backpack and went to school. During class, she thought about what she'd do with all that money. $1,500 would buy an awful lot of books and candy. By noon, however, she showed her principal what she'd found. He said he'd report it to the police, as the owner was most likely looking for it. She later learned that the man who lost the wallet was buying a used car because his old one had broken down and he couldn't get to work. If she had kept the money, it would have caused that person a lot of pain and misery. The book had said that would happen too. Hmm. When she returned home, Molly read the next chapter of The Time Is Now. The book said she should look both ways before crossing the street. The next day, Molly was about to cross the busy town street. The stoplight lit up the walk signal. As she was crossing, a red sports car ripped through the traffic light, missing her by inches. It was only because Molly was on guard from what she'd read in the book last night that she was able to jump back in time. Fortunately, there was a policeman who pulled the driver over and gave him a ticket. When Molly double-checked the book, it said that's exactly what would happen, that the reckless driver would be in trouble. The book was exciting, but it also made Molly afraid. The time is now seemed to accurately predict the future. Two events happening exactly as written did not seem like a coincidence any longer. This was no random note discovered in a fortune cookie after a Chinese food dinner. It's like the book was prophetic, capable of making magical predictions. As thrilling as it was to know what her future was, it was also scary. What if Molly read that she might die tomorrow? What would she do then? She couldn't unread it. Molly decided to return the book to the school library. Maybe the librarian could give her some more information about it? When Molly tried to return the book the next day, the librarian gazed at it suspiciously. She checked the computer, and no book with the title The Time Is Now was in the library system. The librarian thought that Molly was playing a joke on her, though Molly tried to assure her that she wasn't. Molly didn't know what to do with the book, so she decided to sneak it back onto the shelf. Let it be somebody else's problem. She strolled to the back stacks in the library and was about to slip the book onto the shelf when she dropped it. The book fell open. She tried not to look at the pages, but she saw the words, You will meet with an unfortunate accident. She stifled a scream, put the book away, then ran out of the library. After that, Molly was careful. 
She did not walk under ladders, avoided crossing streets whenever possible, and was even extra careful about stepping into the bathtub so she wouldn't slip. The thought of meeting with an unfortunate accident haunted her day and night. It affected her sleep. One day, Molly was wandering around outside during recess and she saw a girl, Lori Barker, with the book, sitting under a sycamore tree. Molly wanted to warn her that the mysterious book was evil, or it seemed evil. The dark, cloudy sky rumbled with thunder. An afternoon storm was coming. As Molly walked up to Lori to warn her, a bolt of lightning struck a branch of the massive tree. The heavy branch cracked, and a moment later, it hurtled toward Molly. Whoa, let's hope that Molly was fast on her feet and didn't meet with that unfortunate accident. Wouldn't it be weird if Lori Baker also read about that same lightning strike happening at the same moment? Guess Molly got her wish of wanting a more exciting life. Be careful what you wish for, am I right? Right now, I wish I had a grilled cheese sandwich. What's the harm in that wish? One can dream. One of my other dreams has become a reality for me thanks to you, my devoted listeners. R.L. Stein's Story Club has grown massively. Did you know that we literally have thousands of members all over the world? How amazing is that? And I don't know about you, but when I'm out and about, I'd like to be able to recognize my fellow Phantom Hunters. So go pick up your Story Club swag at gokidgo.com so everyone knows you're in my terrifying tribe. I'm proud of you people. Also, you don't have to stop with my spooktacular stories every day. Imagination is endless. Did you know that there are a whole bunch of Go Kid Go shows that are almost as awesome as R.L. Stein's Story Club? There's Bobby Wonder, about a 10-year-old alien who has to protect the town of Pflugerville from villainous Mighty Mila, and Lucy Wow over in the Big Red Barn inventing all sorts of cool stuff with her mechanical pygmy goat, Kapow. And Waffle and Martha being totally hilarious nitwits in the underground world of Flusville. Just search for Bobby Wonder, Lucy Wow, or Flusville wherever you get your podcasts and you'll find your way to a great time. Join me back here tomorrow for another eerie episode, because every R.L. Stein Story Club member deserves a little scare every day. Ivy out! Go kid, go! Once upon a time, there was a girl who dreamed of flying through the stars, who dared to resist injustice, who lived to a beat and a rhythm that was all her own. Her name was Chloe, Frida, Oprah, Celia Cruz, Josephine, Greta, Ruth, Alice. One day, she wondered, could today be the beginning of something new? This was her one opportunity to do something, something big. So that's exactly what she did. Along the way, she discovered that she wasn't alone. Her body felt strong, her mind sharp. She was prepared to work as hard as it took. Her words were making a real change, and she felt powerful. I'm Gail King. I'm Andrea Day. I'm Diane Gibbons. I'm Lindsay Vaughn. I'm Jamila Jamal. I'm Anita Hill. I'm Brenda Chapman. I'm Alana Glazer. And this is Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or find out more at rebelgirls.com slash audio.